Welcome to episode number 98 on The Herpreneur Show. Today we have founder of Primal Alternative, Helen Marshall. Welcome to The Herpreneur Show, where we talk women, business, life. I am your host, Annette Lakovich. I'm an entrepreneur, businesswoman, mum, and I'm a fitness fanatic who loves to dance. What I also love to do is help you reach your fullest potential in business, health, and happiness. Join me as I bring you life-changing interviews, world-class education that helps you continue to up-level your next stage in greatness. It's your time to shine. Let's do it. Hello, today we have such a great insight into a business model that continually just organically evolved. We have Helen Marshall, the founder of Primal Alternative. We have a great story about just listening to your heart, your head, and just feeling that fear. She had massive imposter syndrome, uh, such a great insight in how you can feel the fear and do it anyway. And I know that's so cliche, but it's really just listening to the journey. And now we actually did a real synopsis along the way on the business model and how it can apply to you. Now, if you are loving the podcast show and you haven't yet sent out some love to me, please take a moment to write a review and rate it on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. However you listen to it, I read out all the reviews and I also send you a big kiss with a special thanks in the mail. I have Herpreneur pens. They are absolutely stunning. I know some of you ladies have already got them. It's my way to say thank you so much for supporting the show. They're beautiful white Swarovski crystal pens. Um, Yeah, so if you do actually take the time, I will actually really acknowledge you just on the show and I do want to send that little special something in the mail. The Herpreneur Show is brought to you by Convert Club. Now, we talk a lot about business models today, about how to continually get revenue into your business, three different income streams. This is the stuff that we work with with you with Convert Club. If you want some help with your sales, your sales conversions, and you don't want to do it the icky way, the hard, pushy way, you really want to have that beautiful feminine, feminine touch in your business and really be able to grow it with integrity, then reach out to us. Uh, I can actually send you some information. You can find out if Convert Club is a match for you. Let's bring you on to the lady of the hour, Helen Marshall. Ladies, if you are gluten-free, if you still love your pizza or still have a piece of toast, but you're thinking, shit, I just want to eat something good and not feel guilty afterwards or not have my friends think I'm a freak when I go out for them. This is the girl today that we need to speak to. Welcome to the Herpreneur Show, Helen. It's so great to have you on. Oh, Annette, what a great intro. Thank you. I'm stoked to be here. As soon as I saw your podcast land on the couch, I was like, I want to be on that show. So thank you. <laughs> well, thanks so much for reaching out. I think I, I think I saw it. You guys reach out on Instagram. Actually, I remember I was up one night and I was like, "Yes, well organised you. Look, look great." <laughs> Helen, I would love to know, and I think I already know a little bit of this answer. But where no. the heck are you in Australia right now? Well, I am. In the middle of 100 acres of pure Australian bush wilderness that is so remote that I can't even get a phone signal, which is freaking fabulous. 
Uh, we do get satellite <laughs> Wi-Fi. So we get faster Wi-Fi than they do in town, which is again, freaking fabulous. And this little rural spot is on the south coast of Western Australia. I know that you guys just think Western Australia is just Perth, but it's about <laughs> it's about six hours <laughs> south of Perth um, in a little, little hippie town called Denmark, and it's lovely. Oh, my gosh. See, I knew you were in Western Australia, but I did not know you were in Denmark. Not that I have been there, but I hear. I was going to say, have you heard things. of it? I had heard <laughs> it because when people started oh. saying Denmark, I thought it was you know overseas Denmark. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Do you know what? I when I first um, one of my producers in in Brisbane, when she first heard about me, she first of all thought the the business was British because of my British accent, and then she thought I was Scandinavian because you know it says I'm in Denmark, <laughs> and then she finally realised third time round it was Australian so not good marketing <laughs> <laughs> love that I was wondering where your accent's from because it actually I actually thought you sounded mixed between New Zealander and South African don't shoot me but I was listening to one of oh your podcasts God. and I was like where is she from I'm so bad with <laughs> accents hey Let, how bad am I I was totally off oh, that's <laughs> funny that's funny so I'm a northerner so most British accents are you know from down south so mine's a little bit different um and my husband's a kiwi so he's like he's all choice choice chur chur brew and i think i kind of like uh you know take the mickey out of him and copy him sometimes and then before you know it you're saying choice and chur yourself people looking at you going <laughs> it's rubbing you are <laughs> Well, that makes me feel better for having such a bad guess look i would yeah. love to Find out, we're going to talk about primal alternative and I think you've got a really interesting business model that you've created as well. Um, let's start with what is primal alternative so everyone understands what that is and let's just start to go down this rabbit hole. Sounds good. Well, primal alternative is a grain-free food brand. So it's there for people who've been told they can't have gluten anymore, um, they can't eat bread anymore. And so what I've done is created we all love bread, right? It's even in the bloody mm-hmm. Lord's Prayer. <laughs> Give me this day my daily bread, right? <laughs> and it, it's, it's a staple we've all grown up with. And it, you can go. I'm not saying you will die if you don't eat bread, but it's just, so, you know, like just making everything from scratch, every meal, you know, meat and veg, meat and veg, meat and veg. Some days, like today, you just want comforting, carby bread, you know, mm-hmm. just something nice and quick and easy. So I made breads which aren't really bread at all because they're not made with wheat they're not made with water there's no yeast in them they're made with things like um in-season zucchinis and free-range eggs and organic coconut oil and almond meal that are like pretending to be bread so that you can stay on track with your health goals and smash all your health goals you know stabilize your blood sugars lose weight get rid of chronic health issues with you know digestion mental health Mm -hmm. depression autoimmune diseases the list goes on So you can keep on track with that, but you can still have toast. You can still have pizza. You can have wraps. You can have a cookie. We've just brought out a granola. Um, And there's a low-carb keto range for the real sort of diehards, you know, like I will not use Mm -hmm. a carb at all. And it tastes amazing. It still tastes like um, really yummy, healthy bread. And then there's also like more of a like what I would call a, it's part of the OG original range, um, 
Mm-hmm. That are products that you can totally <laughs> you can totally get by mainstream eaters. So like when my teenage son has his mates over, we have a pizza night, and they have no idea that it's not only gluten free, but it's grain free pizzas. And oh, then wow. when I give them some of our yeah, it's a total winner. And then when I give them some of our chocolate chip cookies for a dessert, they're like, oh, these are the best cookies ever. I'm like, yeah, and they're grain free and, and totally paleo. <laughs> is is the pizza is that made out of cauliflower oh my god oh, no oh my no god. okay Why did we heard... make, like this industry we made every freaking <laughs> thing out of cauliflower everything smelled like a fart and it was soggy and disgusting <laughs> you know like you know i like a cauliflower cauliflower rice is brilliant um cauliflower mash is fantastic but cauliflower pizza no thanks so okay. our pizzas <laughs> so it's all good so pizzas are made from free-range eggs almond meal uh, what else is in there? Activated cashew mm. milk, Himalayan sea salt, and a little bit of our own grain-free baking powder. Amazing. So, so how did um, this come about? Like why obviously you must have a gluten intolerance or an autoimmune disease. Like how did, how did this come about for you to develop Primal Alternative? Well, I had a health crisis, um, pretty much like everybody that eats this way does, right? You don't mm-hmm. sort of fall into this working <laughs> alternative way of eating unless you've had some kind of health scare. And for me, um, it wasn't anything hugely drastic apart from the fact that I just was walking around feeling nauseous all the time. Um, I wasn't going to the bathroom. I wasn't going to the toilet. I wasn't pooing. Um, My cycles were all over the place, really heavy. I couldn't sleep. I felt absolutely depressed and overwhelmed to the point where I couldn't face going out, didn't fly anywhere for 10 years. And my kind of general vibe was like, oh, what's the point? Um, and mm. although like I was, wasn't suicidal, I thought for sure, Annette, that I was dying of something horrendous because I felt so shit. And mm. the outcome of that felt like a welcome relief because I was just waking up in the morning feeling so bad and just thinking, I just can't wait to go back to sleep again just to kind of like get away from wow. feeling. Yeah, it was horrible. And it turned out that all I had that was wrong with me, you know, I went to a string of doctors. I had all the tests done, <laughs> right? Yes. And, they said, and then they tell you it's a food intolerance. <laughs> no, they didn't even tell me that. They said there's nothing wrong with you. Oh, gosh, nothing even worse. Wrong with you. You've probably got a little bit of irritable bowel syndrome, which isn't a thing. It's just a, an, a term for a cluster of symptoms. And the sorry, but there's no drug for IBS. You're probably depressed. Here's some antidepressants. Here's some anti-nausea tablet. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, just fix it with a tablet. Yeah. And I I love my doctor. She's fantastic, but she just wasn't equipped to handle a chronic health Mm. issue like this. So I unpacked it all with naturopaths and functional medicine doctors and all that I had that was wrong with me was a little bit of small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So in, um, the bacteria that's meant to stay in your large intestine had started growing in the small intestine, which was causing the nausea. And there was also a leaky gut, which uh, just means your gut becomes more permeable and stuff that's meant to stay in your guts and get pooed out enters your bloodstream and causes a lot of inflammation across the body. Um, yeah, so once I started working on taking inflammatory foods out of my diet, like grains, like sugar, like industrial seed oils. I had to give up alcohol for a while. That was hard. 
uh, and mm. coffee. <laughs> had to give up that for a little <laughs> while. That was tough. Um, but luckily they're back now. Yay. And I'm not joking, like the transformation after a hideous detox, like I had about five days of feeling worse than I'd ever felt before. Then wow. I kind of like popped out the other side and I was like, I'm never going to go back to eating gluten because this feeling is so much better than that. Wow. That's incredible. I'm just interested to know um, who was your functional medicine doctor? Was it somebody in Western Australia? Yes, it's a lovely um, doctor, Dr. Jen, down here um, in Albany, actually, of all, ah. like in the next city to me. So lucky to mm. have her. She's fabulous. Oh, fantastic. The reason why I asked that is I, I actually was just talking to my son um, the other day and we're just driving him to school and I was like, oh, I think my glands are up a bit. And he goes, you should go to a doctor. And I said, do you know me has not been to a doctor in, oof, last time I went to the doctor was when I was pregnant with you. <laughs> And he goes, what do you do? And I said, well, I'll try and heal myself. And I said, but if there's something really wrong, I said, normally doesn't take antibiotics unless, you know, I'm on my deathbed, which happened a few years ago (laughs) overseas. And I had no choice. They had to pump stuff into me because I had meningitis and they didn't know if it was bacterial or not. Mm. So, but that was the last time I had, you know, really not by choice an antibiotic. And I started to go to functional medicine doctors um, and I think here it took me so long to find one because I was looking for functional medicine and a lot of them are named in um, um, oh gosh I've just lost it um, what's it called um, inter oh my no goodness idea. no I've just <laughs> I've just totally gone blank um, integrative integrative medicine oh integrative doctors. yeah yeah okay. yeah same kind of thing isn't it so yeah yeah it's exactly the same but because i was listening to so many podcasts over in america they call them functional medicine so it took me a while to actually find them here and i was like oh, yeah. yeah unless they they didn't have they didn't have functional medicine on their website then the search engine wasn't going to um, pick it up but that's all i wanted to ask you just to see if we actually use the same one because when i went from sydney i had to try and find one over here um, yeah it's hard yeah. when you don't when you don't have one, then when you've got one, you've just, and I love just having, you know, mm. your team, naturopath, your functional medicine doctor. So when you need some help and support, cause you know, things change all the time, then you've got someone to, to go to and like, you know, I'm the same as you. I will not have antibiotics. Obviously you needed them at that time and that's brilliant. Yay for antibiotics. But my gut dysbiosis started in childhood when my mom, unbeknownst to her, you know, she was working full time. I kept getting tonsillitis. My glands were up all the time and she just kept tripping me to the doctors and I was on course after course of antibiotics. Mm. Then, you know, in my, in my teenage years, developed really bad acne. What did they do with that? More antibiotics. So when I look yeah. back, <laughs> you know, hindsight's a glorious thing. I can see that I'd been trashing my gut from childhood. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, you go through your life, you go through the party years, the stress of corporate life, pop a couple of kids out and then your body goes, uh, yeah, nah this is yeah. you're screwed <laughs> that's pretty much what happened <laughs> yeah. and just so that you, you guys listening it's not that like there's a time and place for antibiotics but if you look at how it mm. all started with the Rockefellers it was they realized that they could paint um it was like from 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 mining oil and petroleum and because of that they could then paint antibiotics where before you can't patent vitamins or anything like that. So it 
turns into like there's obviously there's the big farmers, but a lot of it is the the pharmaceuticals just being, you know, a multi-billion dollar industry and, you know, there's a time and place for antibiotics, but a lot of them are not needed <laughs> or they're just wrecking you, you know, right. your, your gut even more. So just if the listeners are going, oh, my gosh, like I didn't just to not know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's just huge. So it's, it's um, yeah, <laughs> you can go down that rabbit hole. Not that that's what it's about today. I want no. to get you on because <laughs> you have a really interesting business model. And I want to dive into this because it's going to be business owners listening, just wondering how they can scale their business. Because if we go through the timeline of your business with Primal Alternative, what was the steps to bring it to licensing? So can you go through what was the first business model? Then how did you evolve? Because I know you've got stockists as well. So can you just take us through the timeline of where they are? And then I want to go into the licensing model that you've got. Yeah, you know, and it's a question I get asked all the time. How did you do? How did you scale your business like you have? Can I do it? So I'd love to share you know, what I've learned because I didn't have a clue, you know, I, I didn't come from a licensing or franchising background. Um, in fact, I always used to think those were the horrible stories you saw on Today Tonight, right? Some franchise had ripped some old <laughs> granny off and it was this horrible, big, like, you know, horrible industry. Oh my goodness. I don't want to be part of that. And it, it took me a, a while to really kind of own the wow. fact that this was an ethical licensing model and, you know, not, I wasn't out there to rip people off, but time uh, line wise. So I, after my, so my, my background is um, in the health and fitness industry. So I started teaching aerobics at the age of 14. So I've been in the, the industry for like over 30 years. And um, I also worked as a recruiter for a large recruitment firm in the city. So my job's always been working with women and ask, finding out what their requirements are around health and lifestyle. So when I look at my role now, it's like a perfect combination of everything I've done in the past, which is often the clues like, and, and even like having a podcast, you know, I've got my own podcast as well. Mm. And when I look back into my childhood, I used to interview people all the time. I'd be taking around, mum used to have a dictaphone, taking around oh, wow. dictaphone in, interviewing people and then you, and I loved it. Like I used to have my own pretend radio shows and now I've got a podcast. So, you know, I look back at what I was doing at school. I was making, I was entrepreneurial. I was making scrunchies and selling them. I mean, they're back in fashion again. I'm about, might start that up again. That was a good business. You know, I was selling friendship bracelets, writing out pop lyrics and selling them. I was always wow. entrepreneurial, right? So it's no, it's no wonder that the corporate model was, was a bad fit. So I guess that's one of my key messages. Just look at what you've always loved to do as a kid. And I remember saying to my mom and dad, you know, like, I'd love to help people, like be an agony aunt or something like that. I want to help people. And they kind of laughed at me and said, you know, to be an agony aunt, you forgot to have had some really traumatic experiences in your life and your life's been pretty peachy. So don't think you're experienced <laughs> to do that. But I think that what I wanted when I can feel back to that vibe that I had as a kid I wanted to help people, you know, and that's essentially what I am doing with this model. Mm. So I, after my health crisis, I qualified as a health coach and was helping people get back on track from all of their chronic health issues, right? And time and time again, they'd fall off the wagon, right? They'd be like, Ooh. I'm totally into this. I feel amazing, but I miss all the staples we've already talked about. So I said, well, look, I've been making these products for my family. Do you want me to make some for you? And that's literally how it started. Wow. And they said, yes. And 
Yeah. And then I was like, look, I love these things, but I didn't think anyone else would love them because you always doubt your own ability. And so I thought I'll just put them out on Facebook because I had this big imposter syndrome. You know, I'm, I'm not qualified in food. I'm not a chef. Who am I to be selling food? Pfft, totally out of my lane, you know. And then one of the farmers at the farmer's market said to me, you know, it's really piss, a lot of pissing around selling stuff on Facebook because there's a lot of that to and fro in and I'll drop this off here for you at that time for just one sale, you know. So he said, why don't you get a stall at the farmer's markets? And, you know, this is a farmer's market so I still go to now. It's more of a community market. It's tiny. It's at a school. It's about 100 people, you know, footfall through that market and it's not huge at all. But I was like, oh, me at the markets? You know, huge, again, imposter syndrome. But I did it. And the feedback that I got from actually being out there one-on-one with the people who are eating my product was enough for me to make to think for, to make me think, hey, maybe these products are all right after all, because mm-hmm. they were telling me that essentially they were life-changing. It was the difference between wow. sticking to it or falling off the wagon, you know, and just then going off on like a five-month binge on Ben and Jerry's ice cream, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and I was loving it. So, you know, I built, I ditched the corporate career. We'd moved to the country. I've got two beautiful kids. I wanted to spend my life with them, not just be, you know, working 50 hours a week in the city. Mm-hmm. And so to have this little, you know, something that was lighting me up, it was a bit of a challenge starting your own business. Um, you know, I started illegally. I didn't know you needed to have a food business registration to sell food to the public. Um so that was interesting when the environmental health officer came to the markets that day and busted me, but it was fine. You know, they, they, <laughs> we all sort of fear. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, we all, we fear authority, right? We all feel like someone's going to come to us and say, oh, you can't do that. Oh, no, you can't do that. You're sorry. I have to close you down. But in, in actual fact, you know, environmental health officers, um, they're just doing the job protecting the public. I wouldn't want to buy something, you know, from somewhere that hadn't been checked to make sure they knew how to handle food safely, right? Would you? Mm. So, so anyway, and they're, they're very supportive, even though everyone thinks theirs is going to be the worst in the entire country. Anyway, and can I so- just say that that naivety, if you knew that's what you needed, you might not have done it, but because then you were already in doing it, do you know what I mean? Like you've already tested, you've already tested the marketplace. So yes. just that timing was just perfect, really. <laughs> it is. Whereas, you know, if I was at this, you know, when I first started, I was selling, I wasn't doing my cost of goods. I was selling at under cost value. Like I was like, yeah, $7 for a loaf of bread will probably be all right. And then when I finally costed it, I was working out, it was costing me over $7. <laughs> I'm selling seven dollars to make it, so and then you know, like that's excluding the time. (laughs) Absolutely, (laughs) take into and and the conversion fee, you know, like the electricity Mm. taken to the customer, etc. So you know, if someone had said at that point, "Oh, you've got to pay five hundred dollars to sell more of this," I would have probably, you know, to get your license, I would have probably thought, "Nah." But like you say, I'd proved the concept. I had customers that needed me now. So I was like, right, I'll jump through the hoops to get this license because I'm in, you know. Mm, And I did it for about 18 months and uh, producing myself. And, um, you know, the local pizzeria got in touch. They wanted to put paleo pizza bases in the freezer for the odd, you know, freaky customer like me. 
um, health food shops approached me. Um, and before I knew it, you know, I was flat out baking two days a week and earning about a thousand dollars, uh, which was great considering, you know, I was, wasn't working before and about half of that was profit to me. So it was paying the mortgage and I was like at home, you know, baking in my, in my bra, you know, Amazing. Bra off, bare feet, you know, just feeling totally at home, <laughs> tunes popping, loving it, being there for the kids when they got at home from school. So meanwhile, my health journey is, uh, my health's improving. And I started to do some personal development work, right? Mm-hmm. So with somebody who's asking me really annoying questions and they're like, you know, how do you want your life to look in three years time? And if you could go through your ideal day, what would it look like? And I was like, oh, you know, what are your values? I'm like, oh, who's got time for this? Like there's a lot of washing to hang out, you know? Who's got time for these stupid, airy-fairy, you know, pie in the sky, you know, silly questions, right? But anyway, I answered the questions and then about two days later, I was I was just sat at the table and, you know, you have that like momentary silence in between the odd thought from one thought mm-hmm. to the next. And this idea literally dropped into my head. I never sat down. I never thought, how can I scale my business? How can I turn this into, you know, a six-figure business. I didn't think that at all. And this idea just landed and it said, you need to license your business. You need to share this model with other people who have also had a health transformation and they want to help other people because Mm. you've worked it all out the hard way. You've worked out how to get cancelled. You've worked out easy recipes that anyone can do. You've worked out pricing that people will buy that, but it's still worth your while. You know, you've worked out the logo, you've got the labels done because that's anyone in the food industry knows labels are a pain. We're always tweaking ours and changing them because there's always <laughs> new things happening to labels. But I'd done all of that and I thought if I could just package this and pass it on to somebody else, then I mm. could get these products everywhere in Australia because if you're a fresh, perishable, small producer, one, you can't scale and sell to everyone because you just don't have the capacity as one yeah. person. And two, mm. I, was, I was starting to ship it to places like Queensland, you know, from where I am in Western Australia, so the other side of the country, and they were just getting a box of mould, right, because we don't yeah. use preservatives. So I needed local producers in the area to service their local community. Mm-hmm. So anyway... That's what I did. And luckily, the first couple of people that I told about this idea, you know, I had to pluck up a lot of courage to say, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? And luckily, they said, oh, my God, brilliant idea. Because if they'd have said, who do you think you are? You're going to franchise your, your little baking business. You reckon somebody wants to buy that? Oh, I don't know. Like if anyone had said that, I would have gone, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. I would have got back in my box. And can I just say, I just I really heard your Pommy accent then. So the New Zealand accent's gone completely. <laughs> You've gone full this must into be my authentic self. I, I can really hear your authentic <laughs> self coming through. What, yeah, that's true. It's like you, you know, you it's everything about like your journey is you know, that you actually, you know, said to your mum, you know, you put it out there to the universe saying that you really want to help people and it came to you in a way that probably didn't realise but then you had that imposter syndrome. And you're right because you actually, the first couple of people that you've said it to because they were supportive of you, that just helps you up-level again. That's just incredible. How did you get um, 
people on board because I heard you say that, you know, it was Pizza Road down the down the road that, you know, wanted to have, you know, a couple of the, the pizzas, grain-free pizzas, just in case they had someone like you come along. You had you were approached <laughs> by the, the local um, 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 what's it called? Like a um, health food shop. Health food shop. That was them approaching you. But how did you get out and build this? Like, how did you rally up? Because now you're going into full sales mode, right? So, what was the side there to build the actual licensing? Yeah. Okay. So, well, it's two separate things, really. So, getting into stockists. So, I've got, you know, I'm a Gemini, so this works beautifully for me. So, I'm on one hand, and and also works really well for Instagram. Um, on one hand, I'm selling a product. Uh, mm-hmm. I really, you know, for me, I've always sold services. It's been, you know, gym memberships and recruitment services. So selling a loaf of bread um, is easy because you can give them a taster. You can, um, we don't have minimum order quantity, so they can just give us a go. And it ticks a lot of boxes. You know, it's locally produced. So mm-hmm. local businesses like to look like they're supporting people in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows that there's a market for those with dietary restrictions. And bread and cookies and pizzas, they're all like trigger foods that we, <laughs> that we mm. just love. Like, you know, yeah. so, that, so it's, it's actually a really easy product to sell. You know, not everybody, not every stockist will be a good fit. And yes, we do get some people say no, but I've never had a producer say to me, oh, I can't find anyone to buy it, you know. So that mm. sale is, is easy, but in terms of um, – selling the licenses, that's a different thing in it because nobody yeah. is a Google home baking business. You know, nobody, like it's, it's mm. a, I don't know if there's even another one like this out there. Yeah, sure, there's licenses and there's franchises, you know, there's Boost Juice and um, Co- Cocoa Whip and all of those other kind of um, acai bowls and all those sorts of other sort of food franchises, but they're like massive investments. You need a retail th- outlet. You need staff. Whereas with my model, it's just a micro bakery operation, a bit like a sort of cottage industry. So I sort of see it more like and the, the value of the, the license is five grand. So in mm. terms of like startup for a business, I can get you from A to B quicker with this license than if you had to reinvent the wheel. And yes. you know, so many people, so many people get stuck, right, on things like what shall I call my business? What font shall I use? What brand colors shall I have? Like they get stuck mm. in this, like they get paralysis by analysis and, you know, they just totally procrastinate on like the little bits of the business that don't really matter instead of just making the product and getting out there and selling it. Yeah. Um, and I can imagine so for- like if you've got, um, you know, a, a mum at home that wants to get back into the workforce but she doesn't want to get in the workforce but she's doing it because she needs money but she's passionate about health and fitness and nutrition. Like this is just such a great walk up start. And we know that, that like if you've never done startup and everyone on this, you know, show they're in startup or they've been in, start, sorry, they've been through startup. We understand the, <laughs> the highs and lows and the roller coaster rides and the, mm. you know, nearly jumping off a cliff at night <laughs> you know, with the stress oh, yeah. that it can come along with it. So that just deletes it all out for such a, a 5k investment. Um, you know, it's such a low investment, really, you know, what it saves you and oh. you're standing on the, the, the shoulders of you that has been there and done that. So what were the action steps that you did then to be able to bring on licensees? 
Um, yeah, and, and it's just on your last point there, and it like standing on my shoulders, but not just my shoulders, but on the 185 other producers who've walked this path path before them. So one of the mm. key like down points in some ways of being a solopreneur is loneliness, right? Or people yeah. just don't get it. You know, like I'll be like, oh my God, kids, guess what? You know, I got this deal with this influencer today and she's going to share some Insta stories with their 65K audience. They're like, that's great, mum. What's for tea? You know, like just <laughs> like, whereas if I said that to you, you know, and yeah. anyone else listening, sure who is you know entrepreneurial they'd be like oh my god go girlfriend yeah you know you'd really get it and be able to celebrate with me and Mm. and and likewise if I if I wanted to um talk to you about some of the annoying parts of the business like yesterday our website crashed and I spent the whole day answering questions I'm trying to order some bread online and your website's crashed like oh for good sake you're tearing your hair out there's nothing you can do about it to have the community of other people who are doing the same thing as you to celebrate successes, seek mm. advice, um, somewhere to come and like have like, oh, my God, this, you know, customer's got this and it went moldy and, oh, what shall I do, is priceless, right, just that, just that community. Mm. So just wanted to say that. So in terms of making it a license, what I did, it's so cute, I literally spent a day emptying the entire of my head onto two pages of A4. At that point, I had five recipes and I sold the first license within a month because um, there was a couple of girls who worked at my little market and they were selling bulk goods, you know, like a co-op. And they saw how successful Primal Alternative was. And I just gave them an order book from the health food shops and pizza places and stuff. Said, look, this is the orders I'm getting. They love the product. And I and <laughs> the first license I sold for five grand, I emailed them five recipes and then like two pages of A4 of how I did it. <laughs> right, that was it. And, and, then, and then like fast forward now, you know, the actual business concept itself is really similar. So we've got one page with recipes on, we've got 33 products now. And the other page just with the resources with everything on there, like how to do online shop orders, how to deal with royalties that we we, we deal with collaborative brands, um, just everything on there. Um, mm. Yeah. So, so it's how very simple. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to know because they got the recipes, how do you go or how did you feel? Because you know, the biggest thing with franchises is, you know, the biggest problem they have is with their franchisees, you know, they want to change stuff. And because it's a franchise, you know, everything's the same. How do you go with the quality standards, the quality assurance? Because it's got your name to it, but you're not there to be able to taste the bread. And do you know what I mean? And so how do you, how do you, how does it work for you being behind the scenes with all that? Yeah, look, it works really beautifully because each uh, local producer, I call them call them primalistas. So they each primalista has got their own um, local authority. So they've got their own environmental health officer that regulates their kitchen. So I don't need to do any audits or have a HACCP plan or anything like that. Everything is audited by their local council, which is brilliant. Their so names, good. Are the pri- yeah, That's it saves so me good. a lot of. Mm. I know it wouldn't work otherwise, right? If if I yeah. had to, impossible, right? Um, and then there, the the producer's name is on the label, and they have full liability for that product, mm-hmm. uh, not pr- 
primal alternative, which again is great, otherwise would be too risky. And then finally, the, the, the way that I ensure consistency across the brand is that I keep the recipes absolutely piss easy, right? So, mm. you know, that you don't need to do any kneading or proving or have any kind of culinary experience whatsoever. Yes, you need to want to spend time in the kitchen, but my recipes are simply measure, mix, and bake, and that's oh, it. And wow. Yeah, and so we all use the same tin, so all the products look the same. Um, we all use the same packaging. The labels are all the same. There are the odd, there's the odd producer that tries to add a little bit of flair um, and make things look a little bit different. But because everybody posts everything on social media, in a way you do get to audit everybody's work. Um, and so you can say, oh, hang on a minute, why have you put, you know, this like that? You know, it, yours yeah. looks inconsistent to the brand and you can just have a chat to them about it. Mm. So it's pretty good. Fantastic. Let's just say we've got some women listening and they're thinking about the possibility of licensing their product or their service. What's one big piece of advice that you think you could give them um, around that? Well, I think the first um, suggestion I would make would be to work out whether you want to do a franchise or a license. So they two kind of get lumped together, but they're very different. And the first one, so the franchise, so a franchise is more, if you want to have more control over what people are doing and, you know, you need to do sales reporting with you, you take a percentage of their sale. Mm -hmm. um, you wouldn't let them put out any Facebook adverts without you approving them, that kind of thing. That's a franchise. Whereas a license is more of a, this is a model, you go and do it your way. Um and that's it. And that's yeah, what there's less restrictions. Yeah. yeah. And do less, you have less control? Mm, and do you have just on the business side of things, is it the initial investment? And then is there any type of um, profit that you make later on from that with the, your business model? Or is it just the paying for the license? And that's it. So usually like in, with a franchise model, your franchisees would pay royalties. Yes. And usually the royalties are 5 to 7% of the sale um, mm -hmm. that the franchisees make. Now, I didn't like that either and I really have just kind of reinvented. I don't even know if it really does fit into the license, you know, box, but I didn't want producers to have to pay a different amount every month because one, I'd have to audit it. They'd have to report everything. I'd have to double check it all, which just sounds blur. So, and I thought, why should they get charged more for having a bumper month than they would do if they had a crappy month? So I just mm. said, let's just scrap royalties. And each month you pay a hundred dollars membership fee, which is essentially your royalties. And then whether you've sold 10 grand worth of products or whether you've done $10 worth of products, you know what your obligations are to Primal Alternative. Mm, it's quite interesting if you think, you know, who makes up the rules in business, right? And if we go back 40 years ago, it was mostly men. And if you think yes. now we have, like with franchise, someone created the idea of franchising, then there started to be legislation, legislations on that. And then there was the franchise committee created, right? And you're from the health and fitness industry. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I was teaching aerobics when I was 13. So I don't know anyone else who's oh been teaching God. aerobics. So yeah, like how <laughs> freaky is that? And mm -hmm. I remember 
So I'm 45 now. So I don't know how old Same. you are. Okay. Same. So when I maybe. first started, when I first started, up until I was 21, there was no fitness council. There was no, there was nothing to do with that about um, uh, making sure that you've got the insurance and the licensing. You'd get your instructor's certificate and that was mm. it. And then they came, there was a, um, a fitness council was created and then you started having to renew it, which is fine because obviously you want to keep yourself upskilled anyway, but you had to be insured. So even if you worked in the club, you still need your own insurance as well. And there was all these money-making ways <laughs> because of, you know, a, a business model was created on top of another one, on top of another one. So what I love is your beautiful femininity has gone in and said, well, that doesn't work for me. That's not congruent. And I love that you've just made the model yourself. Yeah, like it's, no, it's true. Yeah. It's so true. Like when I was te- when I was teaching aerobics, I was teaching on top of a table tennis table. Like you wouldn't be able to get away with that now. That was the stage. Like no health and safety issues there. I didn't even qualify as an instructor until I was at uni. So when I was like eighteen, and then I remember the you know you used to just be able to record any music you wanted and play it without like a PPL license. Then you yes. had to get the PPL license and insurance. And in the end, I had to give it up because. I just wanted to go and like crank up some rock music and do some jumping jacks, you know, and suddenly (laughs) it became too prohibitive. Right. And it was, it was really sucky, but just going back to letting go of parts, you're you're so right. And, you know, part of my, my real purpose is to create a new model of working that's freed up from some of those patriarchal restraints. And Mm -hmm. one of the big ones that I absolutely can't stand is territory, right? territory it's a question I get asked all the time so they're like well I want to come in and do your business but only if you can guarantee that no other producer will come in in a 50 kilometer radius of me and I'm just Mm -hmm. like like that is so like a territory Mm. needs to be defined it needs to be protected that would be my entire job just dealing up with territory issues and like what about if I've got you know Annette in Sydney, who wants to just work one day a week? And I say, right, you've got the whole of Sydney to look after. That yeah, work, right. Would it? No. You know, so because everybody has got a different version of what a mm. thriving business looks like to them to fit mm. in with their life. And, you know, yes, I did start out with my ideal client being a mum like me with kids at school looking for something to do that she actually gives a shit about, not just go back to her old job that doesn't light her up anymore. Um, that was my ideal client, but what I see is I've got, you know, empty nesters. I've got, they're my favorite, actually, the, the, the postmenopausal women, like mm. they got their stuff together. They've done a lot of personal growth and they're so great and wise. They're in the crone years. You can really get a lot of good energy from them and, and learn a lot from them. And right through to, you know, mums with three kids at home trying to like um, mm. bake bread amidst all the chaos. So it does go across board but yeah territory was one of the big things yeah happy to behind Mm. uh you've gone through some you've gone through startup a few times right you've gone through startup then you went into stockers which was a startup again and then you went through another part of your business which was licensing we've got listeners that are in the startup phase now and you've got some women that are you know they're seasoned they they know what they're doing and they're you know, ready to take it up a notch. What would be a piece of advice 
for each of them, one for the startup and one for the woman in the growth stage. Okay, so with regard to startup, you know, I don't think I'm unique to have had an idea that needs to be um, manifested. And I really believe that, you know, if I hadn't taken this idea and ran with it, then it would have moved on to somebody else. And this idea, this concept would have manifested in the world through somebody else, right? So I really like to, you know, from a startup point of view, I really like to look at my business as a separate entity. So it's its own energy. It's got its own, you know, you you can go for a walk right, and get all these amazing downloads of what to do with your business that you didn't think of. They're just intuitively mm-hmm. downloaded, right? And so... Um, But this little entity, this business entity, it doesn't have an email address. It doesn't have a phone. It can't communicate what it wants to do in the world. So in a sense, you are employed by your business entity to get this stuff out there. And when you can depersonalize it like that and make it not about you. So when you look back at my story that I've shared today, Annette, you know, I, I was really worried about what people would think of me. Well, it's nothing about me. It's about this business entity. And if you Mm. can separate it from you, and if if you're a parent, look at it like another one of your kids that you need to go and stick up for and get out there into the world, then it makes it a lot more easy to get away from that personal, anything personal is very base chakra energy. It's very about survival and, oh my God, this has got to work. Otherwise we won't be able to pay the bills. You know, that's really neat really needy space to try and sell from. Whereas mm. if you transcend that and think about these people need me, this food is life-changing. This is going to be the difference between her, you know, not having an autoimmune disease or having one. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a bit extreme, but you get the point. Like yeah. that is a much, that vibe is if you go into a stockist or into a webinar or into an interview with that vibe, then it's so much more, um, magnetizing. It's not yeah. needy and base chakra at all. Right? And so it that would swaps be the focus. Yeah. Can I just add to that? Because yes. that is so powerful what you've said. And um, I love not just how you've said that you, you're, you're not your business, like you, you, you're it's an entity, right? But I love the way that you explain it. And also when you're talking about the sales side of it, because obviously with my husband and I, we've got the sales institute, we've got this product called or a program called Convert Club. And one of the things that we always do is when you've got people that come through, and a lot of them are women because, you know, there's so many women starting up businesses these days, but they didn't sign up to be a salesperson. And a lot of the reframes and some of the activities we do is teaching them about what is the outcome, the effect. Because if you in that spot when you're creating your sales process, if you're in that spot when you're actually selling, if you're in that place when you were doing your marketing, it's never going to come across salesy. And it will never feel salesy because you are in the person's shoes. You're actually you're in what we call second position or third position if it's an NLP um, technique that we say like that's that's where you are, where what you're saying is you know, when you're going like, it's about you and it's about, you know, the fear, the, it's the judgment, then it's so in first person. It's, you know, it's such a yeah. selfish way to actually even run your business. But it seems, and not that we say that it's selfish in a negative way, but it's like, really, you've created it because you love what you do. It's sitting in that space and that second person and really notice the effect. So I love that you've said that. And I wanted just to highlight that because there's women listening now that, you know, this will be really resonating with. Good. 
good. And you know, one of the, I used to have a fridge with loads of quotes on to keep me going. Right. And uh, one of them was, who are you not to get this out into the world? Mm. And just to kind of turn that around, like, oh, who am I? You know, that real, you know, very normal imposter syndrome, tall poppy syndrome. You know, yeah. I'm just a northern, you know, working class woman in a mid 40s. Who am I to bring something phenomenal to the world? So who are you not to bring it out? So I think that, you know, we've a talked nice a reframe. lot about this. Yeah, a nice we've reframe. talked a lot. Yeah. We've talked a lot about it today too in the sense that, you know, you just, if you knew what was ahead of you when you start up anything, you'd be like, oh, that looks like too much bloody hard work, right? So just freaking do it. Just start. Don't worry about step seven, eight, nine. Just work on steps one and two. So like the first thing I had to do, and I really want to get this um, suggestion out there is I crafted a really good freaking license agreement. And you know what, Annette, mm. just going back to the patriarchal thing, I didn't know who to go to, to talk to about getting legalities drawn up for a license agreement. So I just spoke to an accountant who basically pulled a template off Google and said to me, here you go, just use that. We'll work on getting you a, prop- a proper license agreement when you start making some money, eh? Mm, wow. Just to, to got you the first step. You had to ask the question as well. You had to ask the question. You ask the question, you get yeah. the next step, right? What well, would yeah. be a piece and of advice? Oh, sorry, go. Yeah, and I just want to say I was not happy with that. I wanted to have a really clean license agreement so that my licensees knew exactly where they stood and where I stood and we knew what to do in any eventuality. So I eventually found a very heart-centered soul-driven a solicitor who put together this beautiful agreement. I've still got it, still use it to this day. We've tweaked and, um, you know, it's grown as the business has grown. But it's actually an agreement that's written in everyday language, not written in Latin, like a lot of these agreements are. Mm. And that has just been my kind of, it's, it's all of my policies, it's all of my procedures, it's all of my protection, it's got my back. So if you're looking to license your business, make the first step be investing and in getting a really good agreement drawn up. Mm. Do you know it's quite interesting if you think about the accountant, um, like I thought it was great in the way that it's the one thing like just get you moving, but also you can look at it the other way is did he actually even believe the idea? And the, oh, no, wait, you'd like he to, didn't. Like he I, didn't. I actually wonder that and it's like, you know, now, you know, you're close to what, six, seven figures with just your licensing alone, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like, okay, you watch me. <laughs> I know. And it makes you more determined, right? And then, you know, then I, you know, I've got my wonderful female solicitor and I have now found an accountant. He is a guy, but he's really sympathetic to what I'm doing. Like he totally gets it. He's addicted to my cookies. He's bought into my concept for my business. Mm. And I guess also when I did start working with him, I had some serious financials to make him sit up and pay attention. But um, in that very beginning, you need to get people around you that understand your concept mm. uh, and, and think it's a good one. Um, otherwise, mm. yeah. Love it. In your team. You know, one thing I've just noticed, which I'm going to bring up just to educate the ladies that are in that startup phase um, or even in the growth phase, you know, when Pete and my, myself, that's my husband, we are looking at a business, you know, we're always looking at get that first revenue model right and then we need to build two more. And if I look at your business now, you've got three revenue models. You've got your stockers, you've got your, um, your, 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 your online 
side of things as well. But then you've also got your licensing. So it's just such a beautiful model that you've created there. So I just want to commend you on that. Um, Because, and the reason why I say this um, for the listeners is, you know, if one of them goes down and let's just say the licensing, someone might say to, to Helen, well, when COVID hit, maybe she felt like she couldn't sell any licenses because they're like, well, all the farmers markets are shut down and how's going to do it. Well, if that did happen and the licensing did fall, at least then we still had the online sales. We still had another income funnel there. And that's why it's really important to have three ways to bring revenue into your business. So I just wanted to touch on that because I can see your business is built like that. Yeah. Okay. Accidentally though, I didn't set out to do that. You know, it's just like... I'm like, oh, yeah, good. Oh, that's good. Thanks. <laughs> tick, tick, tick. Um, yeah. Piece of advice for the, the female in the growth stage. Yes. Well, I'm a female in the growth stage and I think that, you know, we need to acknowledge that once you hit one level, it's like, and now the next level. You know, my goal was to get 100 prime listers uh, by Boxing Day 2020 and we're nearly, we're recording in December and, you know, I'm, 185 so nearly doubled that which is phenomenal so it's like what thank you so it's like Mm. what's the next what's the next stage and I think that the key to my growth has been allowing myself to outsource the shit that I really hate doing so I just looked at all of the different parts of my week that took and it like made me go oh and like drained me of energy, gave me a headache, made my brain scramble. And I just started writing down a list, like my ideal VA or my ideal something or other is going to take all this cack off my desk. So it was things like bookkeeping. It was things like accounting. It was proofreading. I hate proofreading. I don't have, I'm not attention to detail person. You know, I'm a visionary. I'm a concept. I'm a salesperson. I'm a, you know, a connector. Mm. I love connecting with influencers and getting our brand out there. That's my core strengths. I'm brilliant at interviewing. I know exactly if someone's the right fit for the brand or not. You can even tell just me talking about these parts of my job. I freaking love them. I've got all the energy in the world (laughs) for them, right? But then all that other trivial stuff, you know, so like I was never very good at Facebook marketing and then I was trying to listen to podcasts about Facebook marketing and I was doing the odd Facebook advert and I couldn't work out if it was a good, you know, am I getting enough clicks and lead general? What is it? I don't know. Is that a good cost per customer? I'm not sure. Yes. So yeah. just outsourcing that. And um, I've been yeah. using a marketing company for the last year and just really felt I was ready to take it up a notch. So I've hired a really aggressive digital marketing company next year because my business isn't aggressive. My business is community centric. It's ethical. It's home baked, yummy goodies, you know, and Mm. I really need to get somebody out there to help me create an irresistible offer um, that's going to convert. I have a lot of people interested in the license, but currently my offer is download my free info pack. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's where I'm in my um, time and money next year is helping me grow and scale the business because now, you know, four years into the licensing model, the systems are in place. I'm more than able to scale and Mm. I'm just ready to source this to a digital marketing company so I can just look at my calendar and people are just booking in for interviews. I just want to be booked out like three months in advance. That would be my ideal. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, (laughs) just going back, um, the other thing that I've just 
this again is just to educate the the listeners is there's another income stream here in your business which is your monthly royalties right yeah so you break it down you've nearly made seven figures on your license licensing about 20 grand on just your royalties alone plus then you've got your stockers like you've really got such a great business model that we can all look at and that's just a great way to showcase what you've built on something that isn't, it was never about the money. It was about you wanting to go out there and changing lives. But for you to do that, you need to be able to make the money to continue to do what you're doing. So um, I just it. think you've got such a, great, such a great business yeah. model. And that, that's well, actually more showing. Just means you can reach more people, right? And yeah. you can help change the life. You know, when you first start out, you feel really bad taking money for stuff. And I've had to do a lot of money mindset work to see that, you know, money in the hands of an ethical businesswoman like myself is mm. money that's been spent in the right places. And we can make so, we, we often feel so disempowered and we're waiting for the next prime minister to come along or the next president of America is going to change the world. It's bullshit. We've nah. got so much power with yeah. our dollar, where we, you know, the food we buy, the people we employ, so much um, power to, to be able to change the world from being entrepreneurs, which is hugely yeah. exciting. Absolutely. And I always say for those that struggle with the, the money side of things is it's actually showing how much of a difference you actually make in the world. Because you, your, your product is changing these lives and you're creating business owners, you're creating women to step into their own um, in, into their own brilliance to be able to run their business or run it from home and have the lifestyle that they want. So, um, yeah, incredible business model. Thank you so much for your journey today. I would like to, um, sorry, thank you so much for sharing your journey today. I would love to finish with this one question and I finish it with every person on, on the show. And it is, what is the one thing that you do on a very regular basis, like weekly, daily even, just something that gets you away from work mode and gets you back into your body, some type of physical movement, something that just gets you back into your body to help you stay aligned? What would that be? Well, I have a, a very, I'm a super, I'm a scheduling girl. I, I like to have routine, I have schedules. And for me, you know, food is, is very important to me as is movement, as is time in nature, sleep, all of those, they're kind of the basics that we've got covered, right? But if I was going to choose one thing that I do pretty much every day religiously, sometimes at the weekend, might not do it, and that's okay. I'm not going to beat myself up for it. But I do a guided visualization where I visualize my ideal future like three years in advance. So I'll go through like um, what my house looks like, what my body looks like, how my body feels, what it's like hanging out with my friends, who my friends are, my relationship, you know, with my family, what our finances look like, what a day in my business looks like. So you're actually projecting yourself, you're visualizing and you're feeling how you want your ideal life to look. And I've only done that for the last four years and my... (laughs) which is a coincidence, uh, and, the, you know, the last four years my life has transformed not just in my vocation but in all of the different areas of my life. Everything's, like, improved. One of my um, key phrases is life keeps getting better all the time, which is the Better Homes and Gardens jingle, right? But it's true, right? Life keeps getting better all the time. And I think that guided visualisation, you know, seeing yourself in the future and feeling that is what draws that actual reality to you. It does. And if we go into the 
um, psychology of that, it's the conscious versus the subconscious because you can say, I want to build an incredible business. I want to have a hot body. I want to be fit. But as soon as you do that visualisation, your subconscious brain, when you're adding the feeling, this is really important you said, when you add the feeling to it, the subconscious brain does not know the difference between real and unreal. It just knows what it's seen versus with the feeling, right? So um, I love that you put that in. Thank you so much. Um, it's going to really drive us all to visualise daily and keep up with you. <laughs> like you say that you do it every day. Like I've got a, a guided meditation that I do and, look, I would probably do Which one do, do you that. do? I, there's, that, there's one I'm actually doing called Soul Sync and it's called, let me just actually, it's, um, it's actually a free one. So I'll give everyone this and I'll put it on the notes. Um, the actual address is called Breathing Room. And it's with a lady that I can't pronounce her name. It's like Pradama or something. And they've got free meditation. And I've actually listened to her interview with Jack Delosa. And I said to him personally, I said, Jack, my God, like that was just so great, that interview. And he was the one that got me onto her meditations. So if you go to Breathing Room, and I don't know if it's breathingroom.com, but we'll have the links there in the show notes. And then you go into free meditations and you go down to Soul Sync. And it's a guided meditation and you like, I sound like an idiot sometimes. I'm sure my husband and my son are laughing when they hear me because he makes some funny noises when you're doing it. <laughs> and I'm in my bed going, mm. <laughs> but it takes you through this visualization. And the funny thing is the reason why I love it is exactly what you're saying. But honestly, I probably do it maybe two times a week, maybe three. If I'm really having like a hard week and I need to get that energy up in the body, I'll do it more. Mm-hmm. Though it's that visualisation. So you've motivated me to really just guide myself Ooh, into I'm that visualisation. Yeah, I'm about to go because I normally go for my meditation after lunch. So it not also, it kind of refreshes you for the hour, but also helps your lunch diet. If you're lying down and also stretched out and relaxing, you're going to rest and digest a lot easier, which is why yeah. I started to do it. Started on wow. my health journey, and then I was just like, love it so much. But one, the one I want you to try that I love, Annette, is called the six phase meditation, and it's by Vishen Lakyami, another hard to kind of pronounce name. Mm-hmm. But six phase meditation, if you just go on YouTube, it's free. It's 20 minutes. It goes through all the things you're meant to be doing. You know, like expanding consciousness, gratitude, forgiveness. Um, visualizing your perfect day, visualizing your perfect life, and asking for support. Oh, great. We'll have the links (laughs) there, guys, for it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for sharing your entrepreneurial journey. Um, Thank you for that voice inside of you and saying to your mum that you really want to change people's lives and just feeling each step as it goes, you didn't know the whole step, you know, you just took one step at a time, even though you were scared, you just had the courage just to, to dive in and do it. Um, and, you know, you've just really built a really incredible business model that can be showcased to everyone to learn today. So thank you so much. My pleasure. It's been the funnest ride ever and it's been a real joy to share it with you all today. So thanks for listening. You're listening to The Herpreneur Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought, or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, 
Make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.